Thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. So guys, listen, we're starting this series that's called Summer at Faith. We're beginning this series by walking through the book of Ephesians, which is one of my favorite books. It's six chapters, and I want to ask you over the next several weeks to read a portion of Ephesians a day. I would love for you to read chapter 1. Just read through it. Just take your time and walk through it because this is such a powerful book that Paul was writing to this church in Ephesus. This church was birthed because of out of Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit poured out and, and, and they, they recognized that the gospel of Jesus Christ was not just, just for the Jews, it was for the Gentiles and the gospel spread all around the world. It's transformed, it's transformed nations, it has toppled governments, it has transformed lives, it is, it is, it is to this day, it is growing and exploding around the world. And so this was part of it in this church in Ephesus. Ephesus had all kinds of trouble. What I love about, the, about Paul as he's writing this book and he refers to other things in Corinthians, this is what Paul faced in Ephesus. Tell me if you would have stayed around. He faced persecution, he faced jail time, and he faced wild beasts. That's what he faced. But you know what the guy did? He stayed around and he kept preaching the gospel. He stayed around and kept building the church because he was passionate about the church. He didn't find resistance and say, oh, this must mean God doesn't want me here. No, he lowered his head and he pushed through. And so he's writing to this church just like us. And he's encouraging us to understand what God's plans are for us. This whole book is about the gospel. He takes the first three chapters and begins to talk about what God has done for you, what God has done in you. And he spends his time working this into the life of every individual. And so he's, he's, he's letting them know that though you are human, though you're probably comparing yourself with other people, you're trying, you're striving, you're doing, you're trying to earn God's approval. God, I'm over here. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. See, I love you. Will you love me back? He says, listen. Everything you're trying to do, the Christian life, is not about doing. It's about what's already been done for you in Jesus Christ. Amen? This is what's called good news. Anytime the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached, it should be good news. It should be. I've heard some gospel messages. I thought, my gosh, I don't know if that's good news or not. It was, it was condemning. It was, it was just brutal. It was, you're filthy. You're horrible. And, which, which is true as a sinner, but it didn't give the hope. And the hope is this, that Jesus Christ came to this earth, sent by his son. He died for you, and he changed your identity completely. And so we, can, we need to receive this. We need to receive this in our lives. We need to stop striving and start walking out of the identity and purpose of why we exist. Martin Luther wrote this. And what I love about Martin Luther, he was the reformer. Without Martin Luther, um, we, we probably may not be here today. He, he broke away from the Catholic Church that he had seen some abuses in the Catholic Church. They were, they were charging people to absolve their sins. So it's like, oh, say, what's your sin? Okay, that'll cost you $200. And so that's what was happening. And so he was thrown off by this, and, and, he, was, and he had this heart to please God. Matter of fact, he, he would even physically hurt himself 
to try to, to punish himself for his own sins. And one day, God's grace fell on him. And he realized this has nothing to do with my works. It has everything to do with the work of Jesus Christ. That's what happened with Martin Luther. Many times he's judged for the last couple years of his life where he actually, he struggled with mental illness his whole life. And actually the last two years of his life, he went insane and he wrote some crazy stuff. But it doesn't negate what God did with him in the beginning of his life. And Martin Luther said this about the gospel. He said, the gospel is the principal article of all Christian doctrine. Most necessary it is that we know this doctrine well, teach it to others, and beat it into their heads continually. <laughs> and I love that. Because I am desperate for the gospel. That the gospel is actually not about you, it's about Jesus. The gospel which is good news, and the good news changes everything. You see, there's a difference between good news and good advice. I grew up in a church culture where maybe it was just all about good advice. Well, I, you know, you should do this, you should do that, you need to not do this and not do that. So it was good advice. And good advice tells you what you have to do, what you have to accomplish, what you have to change, what you have to make happen. But good news tells you what's already been done, what already has been accomplished and is waiting for you to embrace it and walk in it. That's why the gospel is called good news. Listen, we don't need someone to tell us more about how to do it better. We need someone to do it for us. Because we are broken and we are human and we can do nothing without Jesus Christ. And this is what Ephesians is all about. Again, these, these first three, the, the, really the, the book is broken up into two, chap, into two sections. The first section is dealing with who we are and what Jesus has already done. The second section is talking, now that you understand who you are in Christ, now you, we can get into you loving your wife. Now we can get into you loving your husband. Now we can get into what it means to be a kid in a Christian home. How to submit to parents. Parents, how do you love your children? How are you an employee? How are you an employer? How are you a Christian? And knowing that Christ has died for you. How are you a citizen? How do you deal with working in government and being a Christian? And this is what it lays out. So the first three chapters are about what Jesus did for us. The last three chapters are because he did this, this is how you are to live your life. So we're going to step into this whole idea of God's good news to you. My heart and my desire for you is at the end of this, you would feel more loved by God than you've ever felt before. I pray that you feel more capable of doing what God has called you to do more than you ever have before. And this sense of inadequacy that you feel and you continue to rehearse and live in your life, you would set that aside, put that under the blood of Jesus, and begin to live your life in a way that God's called you to live. So let's begin Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 3 today. Paul writes this to the church, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints. Everyone say saints who are in Ephesus. And faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. I'm going to be talking about this spiritual blessing today as we, this is the intro into this series. This whole idea is that many of us think that we're not worthy of God's blessing. We think that God's blessing is, is, is it's for somebody else who's more 
spiritual than us, more special than us, and we have this sense of, of what we're not. We, we, we rehearse all the time what we're not, what we're not, what we're not, what we're not. And what happens is, is we start living out what we're not. But when you rehearse what you are in Christ, what you are in Christ, what you are in Christ, you begin living out who you are in Christ. And so I just want to, these are very simple message today about the blessings of God. I'm going to give you five things that come from this every spiritual blessing. God's blessing, number one, makes you a saint. Now, you may have never thought you were a saint, but you actually are. I think it's important for us in this church to turn and tell each other, say, tell somebody you're a saint. Go ahead and tell them. You're a saint. Doesn't it feel good? Yeah, you're right. You're right. I am a saint. What Paul is talking to, he says, I'm writing this letter to the saints. Well, what, what, what makes you a saint? He goes on to show us in the scripture, he says, to the saints and faithful in Christ Jesus. So if you are in Christ Jesus and faithful, you are what's called a saint. I mean, we all know the song, you know, when the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, Lord, I to be in that number when the saints go marching. Sing it one more time. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Come on. Uh. Oh, Lord, I'm in that number when the saints go marching. Go give yourself a hand. Good job today. Well done. If you're born again, you're in that number. You're saint. And we have a lot of confusions about saints because a lot of things, even in, in you know, where a lot of us, we, we wrestle with some of this, our theology, what a saint is or saint isn't. And, and the, even the Catholic Church even says you, in order to be a saint, you, you, you got to do miracles. you got to have like two miracles and you got to jump through this hoop, you got to do this. And then the last one is this, which is a bummer for all of us, you have to be dead <laughs> in order to, to make saint status. So here's the deal. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible doesn't say you got to do this, do this, do this in order to be a saint. It doesn't say you have to die to be a saint. I heard a pastor say one time, he said, there are two kinds of people on the earth. There's the saints and the ain'ts. <laughs> Those who know Jesus are saints. Those who don't know Jesus are not. They have the potential to be saints, but they're not. So here's the deal for you. Stop calling yourself a sinner. Stop speaking that over your life, for real. Stop saying I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're a saint who used to be a sinner who was saved by grace. There's a difference. And so, again, as you, if, if you just call yourself a sinner all the time, guess, guess what you're going to act like? A sinner. You call yourself a saint, and by grace and by faith, I am saved by God and changed and transformed. I've, I've cast my old life away. I'm, I'm risen to live. Brand new. I'm a brand new creation. Guess what? You start living like that. It's different, and we got to shape our minds around that, and that's why our identity is so important. And so that is it, that this God's blessing, spiritual blessing that we're looking at, makes you a saint. You need to wake up every morning, look yourself in the mirror, and say, you are a saint. Now go and act like it. You are a saint. Now live out that identity in who you are. Just like, just like anyone's family, you know what, listen, 
you, I, my family, my son, my daughter, my, Seth and Ellie, my precious kids, I love them. I, listen, they will always be from me because, and, and, and their mom because they were a part of our family. They can say, you know what, that's not who I am. I don't want to be a part of the family. Guess what? They can leave the family. They can act crazy. They can do whatever they want. But here's the deal. Their identity will not change because they're my son. That's my daughter. And we need to understand that. So stop acting like you're not and start acting as though you are. If you are in Christ, begin to walk out your identity. Second thing that comes from God's blessings is this. You need to know that God's blessings actually come from Him. He's the source. He's the one they flow from. You can't bless your life. Only God can bless your life. Every good in your life is from God. Everything good. Verse 3 says this. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. He has blessed us. He has poured out his love for you. It is his kindness that led you to repentance. While you were yet a sinner, his son Christ died for you. Everything good comes from God to you. That you are blessed by him. Everything comes from him. And because of that, you are a wealthy person in the blessings of God. You really are. Just in the natural, just for a moment, like, it, let's just, just dream with me just for a moment that one day you get a phone call from a law firm that informs you that your, your great aunt Opal has passed away. Your great aunt Opal, you loved her, she was great, you used to mow her yard, and she's wonderful, but she informs you she passed away four years ago, and she left you her whole estate, and you think, oh, that's sweet, that's great, you know, oh, man, I didn't know great aunt Opal passed away, and then the lawyer informs you that her estate is worth around $10 million, and she has left it all to you. That'd be a good day, wouldn't it? And... After it's all sold, it's going to be around $10 million, and he's gonna, they're going to handle all of the selling for you. It would change everything about your life if you recognized, if you realized, wait a minute, my life's different. I mean, how many here, if you found out this afternoon you're getting $10 million cash, how many know it would change your life a little bit? Just a wee bit, right? Right? You, you would move from, you, you know, somebody, well, I wouldn't change my life at all. Listen, your, your, your thoughts would change, I promise you. You would go from, how am I going to pay my bills to, where am I going on vacation? That's what you'd be thinking. You'd be thinking, Matt, what am I going to do with this money? You'd be thinking, I'm going to build a new children's wing for Faith Bible Chapel. <laughs> That's what you'd be thinking. You would. You'd be thinking that. You know what? Well, I'm going to make sure this church has the best children's ministry. They're going to have all kinds of stuff. You're going to walk in the church. You're going to walk up the stairs. The kids are going to check in. They're going to pop in a slide, slide down, and pop out in the children's ministry. There's going to be children's workers down there high-fiving them. They're going to come in, and we're going to have a space for, for, for kids who struggle with autism and people, people who, are, who are struggling through things in their life so they can be learning about Jesus. And we're going to serve our community and have the best. And that's what you're going to do, isn't it? All right, good. Listen, I heard you. God heard you. If that happens, you better do it. <laughs> it would change your whole outlook on life. And the reality is, for, if, if that was you, you've been a millionaire for four years and you didn't even know it yet. And God wants to open our eyes so that we can see what's already ours. And we can begin to walk in that. We can begin to live our lives from the place of where we actually are, his identity for us. And that's what Paul is doing here. That's why even in Ephesians 1.18 he says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. 
Listen, there's an inheritance for you. And you need to embrace it. You need to walk in it. And if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you have access to that inheritance. There is a spiritual blessing for you that you have access to that. You have an inheritance. You don't have to strive anymore. You don't have to worry anymore. You don't have to feel insecure about your eternity. God loves you. You can live your life free from the bondage of sin because you have an inheritance that's going to change your identity and you can stop living in the shadows of your brokenness of the past and start living in your wholeness in which Jesus has made you through his own blood on a cross and his resurrection. And he said, come up from where you are and step into the future that I have for you. And that is God's purpose and his plans for you. Number three, God's blessings are first for your greatest need, which is spiritual. Your greatest need is spiritual. Some of you, when I was talking about the $10 million, you started dreaming about what you would do with it. You thought all my problems would be solved. You thought my life would have no worries. Listen, I, I, I just have some news for you a little bit. Your spiritual blessing is a lot and far better than any financial blessing you could ever get. The Bible says it is a spiritual blessing from God. You know why it's important you know that? Because your greatest needs are actually spiritual. You have physical needs, we all do. We have financial needs, and God can meet them. It's not, that's, I, you have emotional needs, but your greatest needs are spiritual needs. They are. That's what Jesus taught. Jesus taught your greatest need is a spiritual need. Most people, they think that, that some need is somewhere else. And they chase it and they try to find it. And here's the deal. No man or no woman can meet your deep needs that you think need to be met by them. Your wife can't meet your needs. Your husband can't meet your needs. Your children can't meet your needs. Your cousins can't meet your needs. Your job can't meet your needs. No one's attention can satisfy what you're longing for. Only Jesus can satisfy that. No ministry, no job, no position, nothing can satisfy your deep spiritual need of finding peace, love, and forgiveness except for Jesus. Nobody can. Jesus ran into a woman at a well who was struggling with that same thing. And he walked up to her and he said, listen, give me a drink. And she said, oh my gosh, you're not supposed to be asking me for a drink. I'm, I'm a Samaritan and you're a Jew and we don't hang out. And he, and he began to talk to her. He began to, to, to peel back the things of her life. Because he knew she was trying to get her needs met by everything else and everyone else. And Jesus points to the well. And he says, just so you know, everyone who drinks from this well will be thirsty again. But everyone who drinks from the water that I give them will never thirst again. And that water will turn into a, a, a well that will spring out of their life. What was, what was Jesus doing? He, he, was, he, was getting, he was setting her up to pull back the curtains of her heart and allow the blinders to fall off of her eyes, what was going on. And so he says this, he says, he says sweetheart. I don't know if he called her sweetheart, but I think he might have been southern and probably said it, sweetheart. He said, go get your husband. She said, I, 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 don't, I don't have one. He says, you're right. You've actually had five husbands. And the one you're living with now is not your husband. And Jesus revealed at that moment, you've been drinking from the well of relationships 
and it's never satisfied you. You went from that marriage to 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 that man. And you're still thirsty, aren't you? He, he revealed to her. She, she didn't need a, a man to meet her needs. He revealed to her that she, it had come up short, that she'd been drinking from the cup of relationships and the cup of trying to find security and the cup of trying to find acceptance and the cup of someone else's attention. And, and she'd been drinking and drinking and drinking. And after she got to the bottom of the cup, it was empty and her tongue was swollen and her mouth was parched and she was still thirsty. He said, if you will drink from the water I give you, you'll never thirst again. And she did, and she accepted Jesus, and she ran to the city. She told them about Jesus. She became an evangelist for the giver of water that will quench your thirst, and you will never thirst again. Your greatest need, your greatest need, many times is masked in something else. Your greatest need is spiritual, and we try to fill it through something material. Your greatest need is spiritual, you try to fill it through a relationship. Your greatest need is, is, is spiritual, and you try to fill it through prescriptions. Your greatest need is spiritual, and you try to fill it through drinking from a bottle. You think it's spiritual, you try to fill it through ego and pride. You, it, it is spiritual, and you're trying to drink and to drink and to drink at the end of every day. You just think, oh my gosh, i got to get something else to drink tomorrow. Because it is unsatisfying, and it leaves you empty. That's the gospel. All of us in this room are guilty of drinking from another cup that only really, to quench our thirst, that really only Jesus can quench that thirst. Every single one of us. That's why we need to know that our greatest need is spiritual and live from that reality and walk in that good news is that your need isn't emotional. Your need isn't financial. Your need isn't material. Your first and foremost need is for Jesus to be the well that you're drinking from. And then from there, he begins to meet these other needs. Listen, the good news is you are a saint if you are in Christ. Your blessing is not about your works. It is from God. And his blessing is for your life, and it's a spiritual blessing. Number four, God's blessing, are they are all around you. They are everywhere. You might be thinking, you know what, I don't feel that way, Jason. My life's a wreck. I feel broken. I feel hurting. I, I know you're telling me that. And if I'm blessed, then I, I sure don't feel like it. But these blessings are actually all around you. You, you just don't live in an earthly realm. You live in what the Bible calls a heavenly realm. There, there, is, there are spiritual things going on around you. And I, I, I want you to understand this. It may sound a little strange to some of you today. But there are spiritual things that are happening right now, right here, in this room, in our parking lot, in this city. It's happening in the heavenlies. Ephesians 1.3 says this. He has blessed us in heavenly realms. Now, this isn't about when we get to heaven. This is a word that's talking about heavenly realms here on this earth. There, there are blessings that are available to you in the heavenly realms, in the, in the things you cannot see. 
Paul uses this phrase three times in Ephesians. Ephesians 2.6, he says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms. What is this word? What's Paul trying to say? Listen, that's not, and this isn't something that's going to happen. This is something that's already happened. So you, you are already seated with God, with Christ, in God, in heavenly realms. You are already gaining access to what God has for you in the spirit that's all around you. Ephesians 6.12, when he's speaking about spiritual warfare, which we're going to be talking about in this series. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the wickedness in heavenly realms. So there's something going on. Don't think there's nothing going on, because there's something going on all the time. There's something going on in your home all the time. And what you entertain from the heavenly realms is what will set up shop in your home. There is in the heavenly realms, there is the demonic and there's the angelic. It, it, it's, all, it's all there. And if you want the, the angelic presence and authority in your home, what you entertain in your home, that's just what's going to come in. If you entertain righteousness and holiness and the presence of God and your desire is to please God, guess what fills your home? Heavenly angelic realms. Now, there will be struggle, there will be spiritual warfare at times, but that's where we begin to, to access what's actually available for us. It is, God is wanting to bless you in heavenly realms. So this isn't about heaven when we die. Some people think, you know, when I go to heaven, then, then, I, then I'll have all these blessings. Here's the deal. You, like, you won't have any needs in heaven. But you do have needs on this earth. When you get to heaven, it's, yeah, your needs will be met, but the reality is you don't have any needs that need to be met. It will just be fulfilled. You will be in heaven. You will, there will be no need for faith in heaven. Because you, you, it will be the real deal, the real thing. But right now on earth, your needs need to be met with the blessings that come from heavenly realms. Spiritual things. This is the invisible, the dimensions that exist right now. The, the physical, that, the spiritual that's superimposed over the physical, it's here. This is real. And just like, the, the, just like on the stage, there's all kinds of frequencies that's going on up here. You can't see them. There's, there's country music playing. There's rap playing up here. There's some opera, I'm sure, going There's some jazz. I, you know, I spent a lot of time in San Antonio. There's probably Tejano music going on up here with a nice little bass line. Boom, 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 boom. I don't know what's going on. But... All of that's happening up here. And so how I, how I access whatever's happening is I need to tune in to wherever I need to be. And if I tune in to the right station, I get to hear what I want to hear. I get to access something that is good for me because it's by choice that I can tune in. And that's what's happening. Most of us, though, we are tuned in to the earthlies more than we're tuned into the heavenlies. We, don't, we, we get so distracted. So things start falling apart and we start getting focused on, oh gosh, this is what's wrong. Oh gosh, this is what i got to deal with. Oh gosh. And God's saying, no, 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 no. Come up here. Lift your eyes. There's a heavenly realm that I have wisdom for you. I have a blessing for you. I have discernment for you. You, you, listen, you have the mind of Christ. You're facing a situation. You don't know what you're going to do. You don't know how to na navigate it. Man, get your head out of the earthlies and get it into the heavenlies and access what God has for you. That's available to you. There are spiritual things available to you. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, there are gifts available to you. 
There's, there's the gifts of words of knowledge. There's the gifts of, of discerning of spirits. There's the gifts of, of prayer language of tongues. There's a gift of prophecy. There's, there's all of these gifts that are available to you in heavenly realms to help influence the earthlies that we have to deal with every day. And it's God's kingdom on earth as it is where? In heaven. So there are heavenlies going on. And you can find this all throughout the Bible. One example is in the Old Testament. Elijah was standing there with a servant facing a Syrian army. So Elijah and his servant. And there's thousands of, of, of these, the Syrian army. And Elijah tells his servant, hey, don't be afraid. He's like, yeah, great, thank you. Yeah, not going to happen. I'm freaked out. And Elijah said this, there are more with us Sorry, it says this, they who are with us are more than they who are with them, the army. So there's more with us than there is with them. And the servant said, yeah, I don't see that. What are you talking about? It's, it's me and you, Elijah. And then Elijah prayed this very simple prayer. He says, Lord, open his eyes. And the Bible says that instantly the servant's eyes were open. And he began to see that the mountain was filled with angelic beings and chariots and horses. And all of a sudden he realized, that's the heavenly realm that I don't see. And so this heavenly, like if we could see what was really going on, there were blessings for us there. And so if God were to open our eyes, and I believe he does and in in will in a fresh new way, we would see amazing things. And God says, this is where, the Bible says, this is where your blessings are in this heavenly realm. Be aware that there was a heavenly realm that you need to access and ask God to give you a blessing from. It's all around you. Ministering angels, the Holy Spirit dwelling in you and through you. But there is a blessing from heavenly realms. And number five, the last one is this. God's blessings are not going anywhere. Are God's blessings secure for you is the real question. We spend our whole lives trying to to build securities, security in our family. We try to do things to make sure nothing ever happens to our family or happens to us or securities in our country. We, We have security here at church. We have security in our investments. How, how, many, how many know that um, it's funny that we call our financial investments securities, isn't it? You ever thought of that? Sounds like a good marketing phrase. Let's call them securities. That'll work. I mean, think about it. Within one moment, one economic swing, one war, one terrorist attack, all of it be, can be gone within a moment. And our real security is not what we build, it's not what we invest into, it's not what we do. Our security is in Christ and Christ alone. That's it. This security in Christ is not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. And when you begin to draw your security from what you have here on this earth, your job, your possessions, things go, always going your way, things, and you, yeah, but I feel secure. And no, but, but every day has to be planned. If anything shifts, I'm, I'm insecure. Listen, you, you, you're going to have a difficult life. If you think that, that your life is good, if your emotions are perfect, if your husband is perfect, if your wife is perfect, if your children are perfect, if your finances are perfect, how, how, how many can say you're probably going to be disappointed? Go ahead and say amen. Amen. All right. 
my friend, Jesus is perfect. He's the only thing that you can anchor your life to. The world's going to go up. It's going to go down. Christians are going to go up. They're going to go down. People are going to fail you. People are going to break your heart. People are going to make mistakes. People are going to have to shift jobs. People are going to have to resituate their life. People are going to have to deal with someone committing adultery on them. People are going to have to deal with a child that goes off the rail. People are going to, and, and your life can feel totally just out of control if your life is anchored in the earthlies. But Jesus wants you to anchor your life in Him. In Him. This has become real to me. Even this week in my life, it's, it's, I, I, my trust has to be in Jesus. It's not in circumstances. It's not in whether people disappoint you or not. There is one man who will never disappoint me. And that's Jesus. He'll never blindside me. I'll never wake up one day and realize he's actually not what I thought he was. Never disappoint me, never betray me. He will remain forever. And he will remain for you forever. And his promises aren't going anywhere for you. But he does invite you to access them, to press into them, to grow with them, to continually be pursuing and continually keep drinking from his water that's satisfied. Listen, when you find yourself empty because something happened to your child and you find yourself parched and feeling like I never thought this was going to happen, run to his well and drink. You'll still be in pain, but your satisfaction can't come from the perfection of human beings because we're all broken. We all have brokenness in us. When your husband isn't everything you want him to be, and maybe he's even rude and, and nasty to you sometimes, listen, he will never satisfy you. He was never made to satisfy you. Only Jesus was. When your wife is distant and emotionally distant and you don't know what's going on and, and you your life is just flipped upside, listen, stop trying to drink from that cup you think, but i got to get her right. She's got to satisfy you. Listen, stop it. Only Jesus can change her. Begin to you drink from the cup that only Jesus can give. When you find your anxiety going crazy and you think, you know what, if I could just have just two glasses of wine that leads to three glasses of wine that leads to four glasses of wine and maybe I'll just drink to this cup. Oh, oh, yes, oh, there's peace. And then you wake up in the morning and guess what? There's no peace. Now there's guilt and there's shame and there's emptiness and Stop drinking from the wrong cup. Come to the cup that Jesus says, if you'll drink from the water that I give you, you'll never thirst again. Let's bow our heads for We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. 
Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.